All right, all right. We're in the building right now, man. I'm holding it down for you. I want to welcome everybody to the show. I am Dirt Dog. I am your host. Tonight, we have a very special show. We are talking about STEM and generational wealth. I have Dr. Booker at Geneva West on the show with me right now. And we're just talking about the different organizations that they have, as well as what it talks about when it comes to STEM and generational wealth. Now, if you don't know what STEM is, it's science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, we do have the Real Impact Incorporated that Geneva West is the CEO of. And of course, Dr. Booker, she is the CEO of her own educational LLC as well. It's called Educational Services LLC as well. So welcome both of y'all to the show. How y'all doing? Thank you for being here. What's up? Thank y'all for coming. <laughs> so before we, before we begin, and I'm going to switch the screen up a little bit. Before we begin, I want both of you to get a chance to introduce your, yourself and your organizations and why you do what you do. I'm going to start with Geneva because Geneva know me from back in the day, before Valley State University. So Geneva, tell us about Real Impact, why you started and what Real Impact does. Okay, sure. And thank you so much for having us on tonight. I really appreciate you for watching us, checking us out, what we're doing at Real Impact and, and being a fan. I really, really appreciate that. Oh, all so, the time, man. I'm here for that. Yeah, so Real Impact Center is a nonprofit that works with girls in STEM education, and you mentioned it, science, technology, engineering, and math. We work with girls mm -hmm. in third through eighth grade, and we simply expose them to the education and to the career opportunities that exist behind it. And then in ninth through 12th grade, we pipeline them to a pre-college program, STEM program, like that of Fort Valley State University CEDA program. So we're giving them an opportunity from third through eighth grade to get exposed, which is their most impressionable time of their lives. And then in ninth through 12th grade, they're able to move on to a high school level programming, which hopefully our goal is to get them to where they're in um, college, then in an education career. Okay, okay. Now also, Dr. Booker, tell me about your organization, why you got started and what do you do as well? So yes, good evening. Uh, my name is Dr. Ansley Booker. And with the educational um, services LLC, I serve as a consultant, motivational speaker, curriculum development. I really want to be that liaison between a program like Real Impact and the community. So what you would see is I would model myself as being the young girl that would have gone through a program like Geneva's if I had the opportunity in rural Georgia. And now as I'm on the other side of the pipeline program, being someone that is in STEM, that has a biology and chemistry degree and all those things, I try to reach back into the community to serve as an advocate as well co-conspirator, but also more or less to be that faculty of color in the classroom for our students. And once they get to college, they actually see someone that looks like them. They see someone that has materialized that degree, and they know then that they have not only an advocate, but a mentor and someone that can help them to navigate the difficulties um, in the college arena, especially being someone that's underrepresented um, in programs like STEM. Okay, and I get that, and that goes directly to my next question. And we kind of talked this, talked about this behind the scenes. I know specifically you work with young women, young African American yes. women. So, can mm -hmm. either one of y'all can jump in and just start speaking on exactly why that is the focus and why you do that? So, Geneva, do you want to start? Sure, sure, I'll tackle that. So, there's um less than twenty five percent of women in the United States that are in STEM fields, and because of that, we wanted to change that right here from Middle Georgia. And so that's exactly why we started the program so that we can give girls an opportunity to be exposed to career choices that they are not in the classroom saying, hey, do you wanna be an engineer? It's more so like you could be a secretary or you could be a doctor or a lawyer. Some of those things align with STEM, but then there are other options that we wanna be able to expose the girls to. So we do that not only with STEM or STEAM, but we also do it with financial literacy. And so a part of what I'll mention is Yes, we want to close the cycle of um, the gender gap in STEM, but we also want to reduce the cycle of generational poverty. And so that's a lot of what we dive into in our programming and why it's very important to us. Okay, and asking that about, well, first of all, let me stop. Dr. Book, could you give your, your response okay. to that question as well? Why do you focus on young black women? I feel like this is a political debate. I get my 15 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, get, get your 15 time. minutes. We got, we got an hour yeah. to go. Okay. Uh, hello, my bedtime. I'm just kidding. But yeah. no, I, I think that um, Geneva hit it right on the head by giving you data because, again, data-based arguments are very, very important when trying to advocate 
for any type of program. And as we already mentioned, these students, the Black and Brown, um, Hispanic, African-American, Black women are the least in underrepresented populations in STEM. And so one of the things that we do to help to push and help to advocate for our girls to go in that direction is we show them um, data. So from like the U.S. Department of Labor, what they're showing you is that in the next 10 to 15 years, the hot ticket jobs are guess where? In STEAM. They're in stream. So they're in robotics. They're in engineering. They're in computer science. They're in computer applications. We see how AI is taking us by storm. Cybersecurity is a hot topic job. And guess what? Those jobs are some of the highest earning jobs at the bachelor degree level. So you initially could graduate with a bachelor's degree and going to making a six-figure salary. And for some of our um, young girls, they've never been exposed or had access to that type of education level as well as those career aspects because no one told them or no one gave them access to it or no one introduced the thought that you could be outside, be something outside of um, as the, the, the careers that Geneva has already mentioned. And so I think that's very important because if we can um, persuade those young women, encourage them, inspire them to go into those hot topic jobs, we will see that the gender wealth gap is actually going to be closed because the gender wealth gap in STEAM programs is actually much lesser than those in some of the other occupations that we mentioned. And again, those occupations are great, but again, we want to make sure that our students have access to those jobs so that they can um, increase their generational wealth and provide opportunities not only for themselves and their family, but also stay in the community and continue to have that economic power within our community as well. Absolutely. 100%, I get that. And and, and I can't, I can't, definitely can't argue with that, but I wanna ask you, so what is the typical, how does somebody get involved in the moment Geneva with your program with Real Impact? And then where they get, when they get to you, Dr. Booker. So I'm gonna start with Geneva. How does a young lady start and get involved with your, with Real Impact Incorporated, how to get started with you? Yeah, so we are embedded in the Bibb County School District and surrounding counties. We're just readily available via um, social media for anyone to sign up. So we have what's called STEMtastic Saturdays that are coming up at Wesleyan College, where we, one Saturday a month, we expose the girls to drones or whatever particular topic that we're on. And we will be mm-hmm. working with Phoenix in order to do that in October. And we also have Girl Power STEM Camp, as well as the first Lego Elite Robotics team that we have engaged. And anyone can just simply go to our website at realimpactcenter.org. They can also follow us on social media, all the platforms at Real Impact Inc. in order to sign up. But when we're inside of the school, a lot of times we're partnering with the after school program or the summer program where we're readily available as a resource to the school to be able to push their curriculum that they're trying to help enhance their STEM curriculum. And so we're readily available and accessible that way as well. That's hundred percent. I thought the book, you know, one thing that stuck with me that you continue to reiterate that you would have been one of the mm-hmm. girls inside of Geneva's um, real impact yeah. um, mm-hmm. um, center. So what, what, at what point did they reach you, the young women that are trying to go to the next level? At what point did they reach you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm I work in higher education. So by the time they reach me, they're either reaching me through Upward Bound, where I teach some of their math and science courses during the summertime. So that could either be ninth through 12th grade or they're meeting me once they're actually in an undergraduate or a master's program. And it just depends on if they are in the pre-health sciences, because oftentimes I teach a anatomy two class, so anatomy physiology. So most of my students are gonna be pre-health professionals. They're pre-dent, pre-pharmacy, et cetera. But um, as you mentioned, I would have been one of the girls that potentially would have been in Geneva's program the real impact mm-hmm. program, but because I live in rural Georgia, one of the greatest issues that we had was access and accessibility through also with transportation and the lack of programming. So one of the things that I would encourage your listeners, because I know they're just not here in the central Georgia area, if there's not a program similar to real impact in your area, you can always enroll your students in 4-H programs, Boys and Girls Club, Upward Bound, if you have access to that. They also have an Upward Bound Math Science program because, again, we just want to make sure that accessibility is there. And sometimes with these different courses, they could be online. Um, they also could be in person. But again, in order to get that tactile experience, I do think you want to have them in some type of bridge program, summer camp program, some type of math and science intensive, um, if you can, tutoring programs, because 
because what you'll see once they get to the collegiate level, what we're seeing is that sometimes not all school districts are made equal. Um, and so we want to make sure that those students have those enrichment opportunities, not only ninth through 12th grade before they get to college, but starting in third through eighth grade. Because again, we have to make that connection, especially for our black and brown girls to see themselves in a STEM career pathway. We also have it in middle Georgia um, opportunity here with the CTAE program. So that's another opportunity to get students involved. The dual enrollment program where they're going to get the two-year certificate. Some of our greatest students that I worked with in my previous occupation, they were actually young girls who were actually getting certificates and, um, and um, degrees in welding. And again, that's another non-traditional pathway for a young girl that you can come out making, you know, five to six figures um, eventually early on. So again, just seeking out those opportunities, researching ways that they can engage and involve so that you can continue to embed um, that foundation that they can be be someone in stream. Absolutely. I just want to say, because she, she, she mentioned so many other organizations that are available in the community, in many communities. And I want to point out at this point that this is not a competition. If it's going to be a competition, mm -hmm. it's an exposure competition. There are exactly. more than enough girls. There are more than enough uh, girls of color, uh, little black boys that are around in the community that we can all support. So Real Impact exists in order to focus on girls mm -hmm. and to ensure that we change their pathway. But we are exposing them not only to STEM and STEAM, but welding and opportunities that when we partner with Central Georgia Technical College, it exposes them to more. And the lastly, she mentioned higher education. That's when she touched them. But if you think about it, she touched them right now. And we have all of our programming on a college campus. Yes. So they get to look up, they get to look forward mm -hmm. into where they can go with being in our program. And then ultimately they can walk on a Mercer campus, a Fort Valley State campus, a Wesleyan campus. And I've already been here. So they're, mm -hmm. they're unafraid at 18, they yes. do that in third grade. So that's a lot of what I wanted to just mention that this is not a, a competition and if it is this exposure competition, but mm -hmm. there's more than enough kids that we can serve and ensure that we work together as a community to close this gender gap. Okay, that. and what I wanna transition into with this because a lot of what I do, I talk a lot of business because I'm in marketing. So mm -hmm. what is your definition, definition, excuse me, of generational wealth and what, push, what is pushing you past that with everything that you're doing with your organization. So what is your definition of generational wealth and the way you see it going forward? And I'll start with Janine. Yeah, so definitely having that, um, the assets that you can pass down from one generation to the next. And I really take that to heart coming from a, a small town, rural town, Wilcox mm -hmm. County, Ponzi, Georgia, um, on the map. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, we got a big shout out. We'll go with we'll yeah, go with big that. shout out, big shout out because I'm from very humble beginnings, yeah. but I'm from a family where we didn't have a lot of money, but we had property. There were there were things that exist that my father passed a property onto his son to then carry his family forward. And that okay. son today, who is um 63 on Friday, he now has property that he passes down to his sons and it's a beautiful thing and that's exactly how i look at generational wealth is you have an assets that you can pass down from one generation to the next and with me having two daughters by all means i want to do that you know i want to ensure that they it doesn't stop with them that second generation but it gets to to move from that negative uh, stance if you will where it stops right after the second generation and it goes right into the third where they don't have anything i want to to not have that. I want to make sure that my girls have it. And a lot of the ways that I'm doing it is through education, is, is making sure that that's one of the, the best ways that you can um, ensure that you reduce generational poverty is to have access to education. And I think that we're doing that in Real Impact Center at a very young age, instilling that into them. And also telling that parent that, yes, your child can be an engineer. It's not so far-fetched. And I think all of that messaging makes the real impact full circle when we're not only touching the lives of those kids, but those parents and they have access where they can look into uh, a future that is brighter and that is more opportunities that exist where they have the ability to take life by the horns and, you know, increase their generational wealth. 100%. Now, Dr. Booker, on your side, I'm asked the same question, okay. like, when did you start focusing on generational wealth and how do you see the connection with what you do that's fostering mm -hmm. that for our future, our future kids and everybody that's involved? <clears throat> so 
that's a that's a great question and i just will go ahead and like amen big up everything geneva just mentioned and mentioned that i'm from putnam county or edenton georgia um so with us sometimes we don't always and i say us i mean people in the black and brown community sometimes we don't always have access to land ownership we don't have access to those resources because i'm just thinking about my own particular family um many of the people in my family um did not attend college. Um, they worked a lot of labor and factory intensive jobs. And sometimes those things, oftentimes those things did not come with the 401k. They may have come with a pension or they may have come with some type of additional savings plan. But one of the things that I do um, with my students is I try to make sure that I show them the connection between the career and um, their that what they're worth and their pay. So a few days ago, um, it was equal pay for women, right? So what I showed them was that women, particularly black women, make 61, 61 cents on the dollar compared to their white male counterparts, right? But again, that gap closes when they go into STREAM or STEM um, careers, right? Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about here, um, we're not saying that I'm going to build them a wealth management portfolio, but I try to okay. help them to envision the bigger picture where, okay, you go and get this job. Now you have a 401k. Now you have potentially a Roth RA. Now you have life insurance, right? That you can buy and use to build wealth. Yeah. Now you can buy land because guess what? There's no more land that's going to be built ever, right? Um, right. And then yeah. we talk about ways to write a living will and to engage mm -hmm. Um, not only themselves, but maybe even now engage their parents, engage their siblings um, in those transactions to make sure that not only are you and your direct descendants taken care of, but you have opportunities to live and live well um, in a lifestyle of your choosing, not a lifestyle that is given to you or put on you um, because of the socioeconomic disparities in our communities, right? And so just right. trying to give them that big picture and talk to them and have these courageous conversations because oftentimes what I've seen is that our parents didn't, our parents and grandparents didn't have these conversations because of a lack of knowledge, right? Not because of lack of lack of not wanting, but a, a, a lack of accessibility. And so I right. think we're the generation that can break these curses and we can right. turn it around in a multitude of ways. And I do believe that wealth and erasing wealth disparities um, and looking for equity um, in gender pay and advocating for that is one of the ways that we can do that. And this is can be seen through STEM careers and STEM programming. Right. So I'm going to ask you this, because last week we kind of talked about, I asked some financial advisors on last week. We were talking about myths versus facts. So myths that people believe about finance and money, what are some of the, one of the things that you see the most with the young women that you're mentoring as a number one myth that we can debut right now live on this show? What are some of the, one of the main things that you see when it comes to what they believe and what they need to believe? Um, I'll go really quickly because I don't know if mine's going to be as great as Geneva's. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about is how higher education, the cost of higher education is trending up, even has surpassed the cost of, cost of health care, right? So getting yeah. access to college and education can sometimes be a tremendous burden, right? just to even get you in the door financially, right? Especially if you want to go to these colleges and universities that focus on, you know, stream and STEM and those things, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things, the myth that I've seen with my students is that I can't afford college. Well, that's a myth. You can't afford college. You know, there's been some recent um, legislative priorities that have come out that support um, you going to public universities, HBCU, HBCUs and PWIs free if you are the valedictorian or you get the Pell Scholarship. So making sure they understand that, that you can have accessibility college, but you do have to put in the work. You have to write the scholarships. You have to write the essays. You have to save. You might be like me where you have to work, do a work study program, letting them know what work study is accessible. It is available. Um, and just showing them how to save so that once they do get to the 12th grade and they are applying for colleges, they're not waiting to the last minute. They're doing it early. They're taking the SAT, ACT, they're making sure that those scores are high enough so that potentially they can get a full ride. Because again, a lot of these universities mark these students as underserved. And so if you are underserved, they have special pots of money that you can ask for and you can use your academic ability to leverage in your favor and actually go to college for free. That is something I missed out on. Um, in high school, I missed a lot of grants. 
that you do not have to pay back. I missed a lot of scholarships. And we know that sometimes that um, higher education debt can be very crippling, especially to the black and brown community. So if I can dispel any myth is that you can obtain a college degree, whether it's a two year degree or four year degree and be successful in knowing how to navigate the burden and the expenses of college and trying to remove as many of those as possible early on. Understood. Now, Geneva, same question to you. Like you deal with the young ladies one-on-one right in their face when they're very impressionable, very, you know, they're young. What are some common things, some common myths that you see that you can like take one of them and say, look, this is the fact, this ain't what you believe. Yeah. So the one thing that comes to mind and uh, ditto to you, uh, Dr. Angela Booker, because honey, you just don't know if you got on the line. She is a Firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she ready to roll. I understand that. I, I throw her a question. She goes, she said it's gonna be a minute. It's gonna be a minute, but she's gonna give you a lot in that minute. Yeah. I get that. Get <laughs> so I think one of the biggest things for me is a lot of times we are taught that we need to just go get a job. Just go get a job. <laughs> and that is that what you need. I'm gonna go into that next, but go ahead. Just go get a job. Go get you a just good go job. Get a job. Get a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Go get a, get a good, good job. job on the base or something like that. Out of the Georgia, right? Exactly. <laughs> I remember, you know, hey, just get your high school diploma. Just get your high school diploma. Then it will try to get to college. But what I hear now a lot is um, go get a good job. And I think it's important as we talk about generational wealth that one must really get a job that they're interested in. They're going to be able to give and to Uh, grow with that job, build that 401k, that financial growth is going to be there with the Roth. And it's going to be different for them if they're finding a job that they're interested in, right? Versus one that they're just getting a paycheck from. And I say that because we're trying to expose girls to the STEM and STEAM education where they have the ability to get six-figure incomes, right? Where they can break that cycle of generational poverty. And they can't do that just going to get a job. They have to be interested enough to carry this career out from education to career. And a lot of time in education, that's where they stop. Like, this is too hard. The classroom is full of white males and I'm not going to thrive here. So I'm going to stop here and I'm going to maneuver and I'm going to go to another another field. Case in point, I came to Fort Valley State University majoring in criminal justice because I thought that was my pathway for forensic science. Then I was told in class that, hey, you're going to, everybody in this class has got to go be a cop first. And I said, oh, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong okay. spot. Yeah, I don't see they, you as a they cop. They got a serious I job. I don't think yeah. I can do that job as well as I'm, I'm doing today. And so with that thought, instead of being directed or having the knowledge, if you will, to then go to biology where I can land in forensic science and having that knowledge and that know-how based on my interests, I then had to cipher down to mass communications where I do have a passion and I do have a love for that I can thrive and move forward. So if I had to just dispel a miss, it would be that of pursuing a career of interest versus just going to get a good job just to get a paycheck because you're going to do yourself a disservice in the long term to build that generational wealth and to truly be able to thrive forward for your family. And, and that's one thing I want to touch on because honestly, during my undergraduate years, I thought I wanted to do one thing and then I'm doing another. I know I got a lot of friends that went through the same thing. They may have thought they wanted to be a teacher. My first yeah. day of teaching, I was in a kindergarten class and they drove me crazy. I didn't even know what to do. So, you know, that, that wasn't my mood to do that. But I want to ask this question real quick of both of you that I have you on. How much of a percentage have you thought that the parents and the upbringing and the family and the household plays with the young ladies that you deal with, that you bring in the mentor, because some things you have to unlearn and the unlearning process is, it was tend to be, it was a difficult part for me to unlearn things that I just did every day because I thought this like, so yeah, I was one of those cats like, yo, I was the first person in my family to finish my undergraduate, first person to finish college, but I had no idea what I was gonna do. When I was sitting there walking across the stage, I had no idea. I was doing mm-hmm. radio at the time and that was nowhere near my career field. So parents, number one, Think about that. What do you think about parents and how big of a role they're playing at? And what the parents don't know, is it harder for you to mentor your lady with the parents that even know anything about their finances and they come into your organization or they come to get mentored by you? So any, you want to jump in, Geneva or Dr. Booker, just let me know. Just jump in. I know Dr. Booker's going to jump in, but how yeah, you want to? she's ready. I'll let her go ahead. Like tag team, like tag me in, tag me in. Yeah. Um, tag, tag you. Hey, there you go, tag, tag in. Tag me in. Like WWE back in the day. But, yeah. um, and I grew up with two brothers, that's why I got that reference. But okay. um, 
as I mentioned too, so I will say this about my parents. My parents were of the mindset that you can do anything that you can put your mind to, right? They encouraged mm -hmm. all of our academic ability and creativity. Now, I will say that me being the oldest and the only girl, I was very far out there, right? So I'm mm -hmm. talking about playing with bugs, going fishing with my dad, hunting. Like I grew, I, I grew up doing experiments. I was the child that wanted the microscope out the Sears catalog. Like I was a very unique individual. And I think my mom did not pull me away from that because she was a teacher. So she taught second grade for 40 years. So she she really um, allowed me to explore my creativity within boundaries. As long as I wasn't, it wasn't dead what I was bringing in the house. And as long as it wasn't <laughs> going to grow or she had to clean it up, right? I did all that right. stuff. And I will say that with my father, he allowed, and he, you know, he he allowed me to bend what we would call gender norms, right? Or right. how girls should explore and how they should play, right? Because you know, he bought me a pet cow when I was little, and we, you know, we we're talking about the anatomy Wait, of the cow and milk. They sell like, cows. I thought people just had yeah, cows. I'm from the very capital of Georgia. Let's put that out there, home of Alice Walker. So yes, okay. he broke the okay. limits. He broke the rules of city limits and brought a cow in his city limits. But <laughs> I, I bring that up. <laughs> Listen, we'll. That's a story for another day. That's but another. That's another show. That's yeah. A story for another day. But so when you really think about it, that was zoology, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't. We didn't have a book. Yes, Scholastic. We had encyclopedias. This is before the internet, right? So he yeah, was showing me through his. Yeah, before he was showing me through his level of learning and ability, the love for animals, right? So at one point, we all thought I was going to be a veterinarian, but I don't like cats and snakes, so we quickly ruled that out, right? But I say that parents are very important because when you encourage that creativity, like I said, in third, fourth, fifth grade, when things are like Geneva, Geneva said, things are becoming academically difficult later on. You teach them that grit. You teach them that persistence. You teach them that self-worth, that self-advocacy that I can do anything. I can have that mindset. And especially when you were like me, oftentimes I was the only girl, if not the only black girl in a lot of my STEM classes. Mm -hmm. But because I had already endured that through middle school, high school, when I got to college, I went to Georgia Southern and I was in the biology and chemistry classroom and I was the only person in there. Oh, baby, I'm the best in there. You know, when you call it the A's, you're going to call it my name too and not just for Ansley, right? And so my had already instilled that in me. I had a level of imposter syndrome and stereotype threat because those things still existed, microaggressions. Even when I got my master's degree, oftentimes I was the only black woman in there, but I found my niche and I found that self-worth even through, I built my own study guide, right? Because my parents had already showed me that. They introduced me to, we had a library card. You had to read something every, every summer, every <laughs> week. My daddy didn't know nothing about my governor's honor science projects, but guess what? Every time I had, I see your name in the paper, Ansley. What does that mean? What are you doing? And it was so he can go tell his friends. He didn't know what was going on, but he wanted to brag and understand the level of academic ability. When my parents could no longer help me with my homework, they sent me to walk down the street before the streetlight came on to my cousin's cousin's house because he was the other person that had went to college. So he was tutoring me in math and science. So I was in the sixth grade doing 12th grade homework, right? So you okay. see that level of resources and like, we didn't go far to get a tutor. I went down the street, right? But mm -hmm. luckily right. I had that within my family. And with that so much, I was doing my uncle's homework. So don't, don't let him listen to this. I was doing his homework. <laughs> That's how he graduated from high school. I was doing his homework in sixth grade because I was always challenging myself. So I think your family, your support system, they really undergird your level of um, aspiration sometimes. Because when okay. you tear down a pile, guess what? It's hard to rebuild them back up later. So I think if you give them that foundation of support, encouragement, opportunity, and it doesn't have to be a vast opportunity, just mm -hmm. even more than what you had, I think that really supports them um, and gets them ready and prepared for the future. But yeah, and, and like I was saying, I want to throw this in before finishing everything that you said. Now, when you deal and you, because you mentor in higher education, so these people are adults by the time when they come to you. And you see that they came from a household that may not have know, understand what they're doing, what they're aiming for. Just how yeah. do you deal with that is kind of what I was going. How do you deal with that? And how do you mm -hmm. deal with that person? Yeah. So one thing that I make sure is that I'm very transparent and vulnerable with my students when it comes to that. So you asking anything about my background, if I made a C in college, if I failed some tests, I'm very open because oftentimes what happens 
with my students, especially my black female students, they think because they got a C, they got to drop out. No, no, no. We all, <laughs> all made okay. C's. Now you just can't keep making C's, you know, especially no, you those academic You cannot keep making C's. We got to get you to pass, uh, but not yeah. only pass, but excel. And then again, the other thing too, sometimes our students are high achieving, right? That's awesome. Excellent. I was one of those students as well. But you also have to have these conversations like, let's be real with yourself. Now, everybody yeah. can't be a doctor. Is that your aspiration or your mom's aspiration, right? Do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be a radio, um, you know, radio tech? There's still a STEM career, right? So you just got to yeah. help them to explore. And a lot of that time, a lot of that stuff is through vulnerability and through conversations, right? And so what I pride myself on, if I don't know, I'll go find the right person on campus to get you in touch with, right? I'll go find okay. a professor in that particular department that you want to go to before you fell out. Let's see if there's some alternatives, right? Let's see if we can turn that thing around. Because like Geneva said, sometimes the advisors that these students are report are supposed to report to and talk about and navigate through their class load and their career aspirations, they don't do a good job, especially if they're burned out or they have a lot of students. Because I'm going to forget one of my advisors, um, he was a white male. He asked me, why did I need that? Why did I need my minor in chemistry? Because I took those classes and I passed. That's why I need it. You know what I mean? So you have to even teach them how to advocate for themselves early on, because oftentimes the spaces are not conducive to their matriculation. Right. And oftentimes wow. they don't get the support they need. And so sometimes that has to be an external mentor that they see. And um, it does help when um, we do look like them. It really does. I just have to be completely honest because. There's not a lot of um, black and brown, especially female faculty that they get to see. Oftentimes, I'm the first one that a lot of students see. Okay, I take now, now Geneva. You dealing with a young? You start on a lot younger, obviously with real impact. Mm -hmm. um, you have conversations about where the household comes from. You're like, yeah, just speak on the same thing because I think that that plays a key part. Because if they go home and they leave your program, they leave whatever you're doing during the day and go home. You know they're being programmed at home way longer than when they come to you right. as a part of your program. So how do you attack that at the point where you get these young women, their minds ready to understand that, yeah, I might, I could be an engineer, I could do different things. And just because I came from here, I could be different. How do you handle that? Right. So that is a, a big thing to, to handle and to try to tackle because you're right. They're not with me as long as they're at home. And so that's why the very important part is to include the parent on what we do. The parents okay. come and they're volunteers, they're engaged in the program, they're advocates, and they're excited about it, especially after they learn what STEM is. I remember starting this 10 years ago, we've uh, a decade of making a real impact now in STEM education for girls right here in middle Georgia. And mm -hmm. anytime, because they didn't know about STEM, anytime they would see something on television that was related to STEM, they'd say, hey, I saw you on TV last night. I saw you on TV last night. And that's because they were trying to understand STEM, they didn't know it's nationally recognized program. I didn't create STEM, but I did start Real Impact to expose the girls. And I think that our relationship with their parents are important because now they can understand why an Ansley walks home with bugs. Now they can understand why their child is tinkering and taking apart the computer. Now they can understand why they're getting bullied in math class because they're getting all the right answers because there's a communication that takes place between our program and that parent to help them understand. And I think one of the most important things that we try to embed in the girls is Ansley, Dr. Booker, she mentioned it when she went from classroom to classroom being one of the only one uh, African-American females in her classroom. A lot of times that's the case. And then there's a lot of times that there's one more black person in the classroom, but they look at you as competition. And so the one thing that we embed in the girls is that, hey, we're all winning here. We need to pull each other up. If you walk into that classroom and it's white males and one other female, no matter the color, and especially if they're African-American, you then connect and you pull each other forward. And that becomes a synergy. And I think a lot of times competition comes up in our mindset more than winning does and pulling the next person forward. I remember we had a competition where certain girls won and certain girls didn't. I come from a, a background where they say, hey, you got to be fair. Everybody got to win. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> In real hey, life. Yeah, well, being, all of us being professional, you know that everybody don't win every day. You everybody do don't win every day. So I was very yeah. intentional about calling up the winners. And when I did, there were girls that did not applaud. And I stopped the program right there to then teach on being able to support your fellow, you know, uh, 
classmate or African-American woman, right? That is important. And so, yes, we do STEM. Yes, we're advocating for girls. Yes, we're pulling parents in to ensure that they understand what we're doing and to be able to now advocate when they go to school for that child. But we're also trying to implement into that child and inspire them to help pull the next person forward and not feel like this is a competition here more than it is we all trying to win to move forward. And that's how, that's another part of being able to break down that generational poverty is by, you know, having that village that surrounds you and that helps you and pull you forward. And that's hundred percent cool. I want to send a shout out to um, Alvia and Jada. They both had like logged into the, the show, but if you show your video, I get you on the show. You can jump in this conversation as well. So yeah, from my experience, I'm gonna give you a quick story. We all kind of talked about our stories. My family came from an entrepreneurial background. You know, pretty much had businesses. Everybody in my family has a business. My mom, when we were younger, she made us as kids have our own business, right? How do you handle your finances? How do you move things forward? How do you make profit? How do you do a report of your sales and everything that's going on? And that's very important. So I think what we're saying is the same thing, whether it's STEM or just mm -hmm. life lessons as well. If you had to give a percentage on where life lessons stand and then the other side of educational, how would it balance out for you? Ooh, that's so a lot head. right i know i know i'm coming loaded. you know i've been thinking about this all day i come and loaded geneva i can't like i text you a few questions i said please oh, but yeah okay. if you had to do it was life lessons over education because obviously we know that college is not for everybody but life lessons over those what would be your percentage if you had it like a 50 50 split 60 40 70 30 what would it be and why that is so so hard and it is hard because I am life lesson queen. You can ask my daughters. It's like, mama, yeah. you have a life lesson for everything. Because oh, yeah. that, that's, life is education. Life okay. is certainly education. The life and the experiences that we have is certainly education. Um, my father had no more than an eighth grade education. Okay. But his life lessons is what made me who I am today. Okay. So with that said, I cannot give you 50-50. I will definitely, <laughs> that percentage is hard, but if I had to give one, it's not an even kill because I feel like life experiences and from a, a man who had only got the eighth grade education that was able to burst this generation of girl, I think it says a lot about what experiences will do for a family and, you know, producing generational wealth. So I am going to have to give that just because it's not 50 50, at least 60 40. 60 40. Okay, Dr. Booker, I'm so ready because you've been shaking your yeah. head this whole time. Yeah. Like you ready to jump in. So, what you got? Because <laughs> Dr. Booker ain't holding nothing back tonight. I love it. I, I'm so not. I'm not. But, and, and, and the thing about it is because I can't go against my job. My job is right. Right, right, right. education. Yeah, right? I get you. I get you. 100%. So, I ain't um, to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course not. But, but let me say this, because like in this job is higher ed too, but in my previous job, we also wanted to give students access to the military. So my dad went to the military too, right? He didn't go to college. He went to the military out of high school and that helped him to get his job in, in STEM technically, right? So with that being said, I do think I'm about 70, 30, but it also depends on what I'm applying my knowledge level to. And like Geneva said, life lessons are another aspect of education right and i think you do your your children a great service when you're able to be transparent and vulnerable and share with them not only your experiences but maybe people in your family too because i think that's how you address generational issues right, right. whether right. it's like you said entrepreneurship whether it's land ownership whether it is whatever so i think i'm going to go 70 30 and 15 15 from my mom and from my dad so my dad always had sayings and things and we would sit there and like almost like like parables like jesus would do and you're sitting there thinking like <laughs> what does that mean yeah exactly like why are you telling the kid this you know what i mean like ansley you know you know i got x amount of dollars don't try to spend y so we doing math we doing equations we about to do a parable you know i'm like what we about to do with that with some slants. Like, I'm trying to do some math grids, right? You know, or he would be like, um, I'm an old coon. I didn't cross that river twice. 
But I say that too because now, as I'm older, and you know, people always say it like that. I think it's a progressive commercial. You start turning to your parents. So uh-huh. I hear yeah. myself replaying yeah, those things in my head because they are euphemisms for life. They are parables for life. And you find that sometimes those things will carry you through, especially during difficult times, especially Mm -hmm. during trying times. Because as we've all mentioned, we all had transitions in our college career, right? And sometimes those parables and those sayings um, really have carried me through. So I'm going to go 70-30. Now, I'm going to jump in and say I was 75-25 and I'll tell you why. I remember telling my son, my son will be 21 in January. I told him, like, you don't want life to teach you. If you have mm-hmm. mentors and people trying to give you knowledge, because life will give you hell. If you let life show you how you what you're supposed to be doing, I learned from experience that life will kick you up your behind. Life will go mm-hmm. and throw you, throw you some stuff. You got to deal with it when it happens. That was right. one of my biggest things. And one of the second things, like you were saying, like, I wanted to ask this question to both of you. At what mentor, or what point, because obviously you talk about your family, your fathers, your mothers. But outside of that, at what point did you meet somebody that maybe wanted to be a mentor you that really taught you everything that shifted you shifted you to the next side? Who was that person for each one of you? What did they do? Is that, is that too much? It's way too much out there. <laughs> it's a reflection moment because, you know, mentors are not always there for the entire lifespan. And so they come and go as well. So you, you have to take a moment to know that my Fort Valley mentor was very different from my uh, my 20 year old, my 20 year old self uh, mentor, um, man, yeah. that's interesting. That's a pondering moment is what I would say. And you ready? <laughs> well, I mean, I know that because I can speak directly on, on a few mm-hmm. people that what in hindsight, because hindsight is 2020, right? We look back mm-hmm. and be like, dang, that's what that was about. That was that was for. Do you have a one person that you know that had that impact on your life? Because both of you are out there impacting young women right now as well. So obviously somebody impacted y'all. Who was that person and what did they do? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, you know, I have to give credit and credit due to my mom and, mm-hmm. and, and my aunts, right? Because they were that system that supported me and encouraged me they come to all my they came to all my competitions they picked me up they dropped me off um and they really supported asked questions tore up my paper when it was wrong i mean they really gave it to me made me practice my speeches so like oratorical things i was ready right same thing with my grandmother so i think that side of my family um i would consider like mentors and advocates but i will speak to a collegiate mentor that i had when i was at uga in grad school um, and this is why I think you always have to get mentors, but you also have to get coaches and supporters, people that are going to say your name in the room, even when you're not there, and they're going to advocate for you. And sometimes, because I was in STEM, those mentors and coaches and supporters did not look like me. Um, I'm not going to call his name, um, but I will say that he was a white male, and he advocated for me to actually graduate and get my thesis published and published in the master's curriculum. I was one of the only few people that actually did that that year. And I'm just eternally grateful for that because he was the person that made him would make or break my career, right? Mm-hmm. But he made me um, really think about having mentors that were diverse and coaches mm-hmm. and supporters that were diverse. Um, because again, anybody can teach you something, but only a select few people are gonna advocate and support you, right? So I think I that would be. So Geneva, what about you? you? You've had your time to think. What was the life, the life? Well, you know, it's a fork in the road. How many forks have you been on? I'm 45 years old now. I've been on multiple forks. It's a fork in the road. You have somebody on your, on your side. What was that person that guided you to the next level? Or who that person mm-hmm. was? Sorry, what did they do? So I think that person for me internally is um, my sister, Kathy Barrett. So she did not her pathway was nowhere near what mine is. And this is where we can go back to life uh, lessons versus education. She wasn't trying to get me to a place in education. She knew how important it was, go get a good job, go educate. But she was able to really keep me leveled from a life experiences perspective, from a balanced perspective spiritually, as well as um, just my mental health, if you will. So she's the person that helped me because I was uh, 
you know, leaving a small country town, going to another country town in Fort Valley, and then leaving there and coming to, to Macon. And throughout that time, and even today, she has consistently been that person for me to make sure that I don't lean in on the imposter syndrome so long that I forget who I am, right? And that but I'm able to define, define, define people that don't know what the imposter syndrome is. People might not get that. So in yeah. layman's terms, what is that really for somebody that might see this video? What is the imposter syndrome? The imposter syndrome, layman's term, is basically you uh, being in a room and you being forward and not think that you're supposed to be there. Your success, your accolades, the things that you've accomplished, you think that it's just by accident that it happened versus your God-given talent and being. And so I definitely am challenged with that at times. And she was able to say, hey, you've done more about 30 than most people do their entire lives. You're, you've done more. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't think so. And she breaks that thing down and I go, ooh, wow. And so then there's a reflection on the things that I've been able to accomplish that I'm because I'm just operating. I'm just moving forward. But she helps okay. me slow down and center around what God has allowed me to accomplish and the lives that he's allowed me to touch. And that that embedded, you know, desire to help others and to advocate for others in the way that I do so that I can, you know, help many generations to come. So overall, you're talking about leave a legacy when it comes to generational wealth. I want to do that with real impact. So I'm not just touching the lives of my two daughters. I'm touching the lives of now after 10 years, 4,500 girls that exist in the community where I've helped pull them forward in some shape or form. Now, I want to go back to something that Dr. Um, Dr. Brooker spoke on that Reminded me of Florida. When I moved from Georgia at Black Lantern Chocolate City to, to South Florida, I was introduced to a lot of different cultures. I told a friend of mine, I said, you know, what I didn't realize in Florida, I didn't see a whole lot of homeless Latino, Asian, or Caribbean people because they just were so in full support. If somebody was out in the streets, that's what going to happen in those type of families. But in, mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of Black people you know, separate themselves from their family, especially when they get out and they think they've done some things and things have moved on. What do you think and how do you think our culture and how we raise as African-American plays a part And when you mentor a young girl? Do you teach them to go back to the community and do exactly what you did for them or support each other? How do you feel about the culture and progression when it comes to careers and generational wealth? Because I feel like the culture, the culture that we raised in kind of holds us back a lot, in my opinion. So I want to get yours. Yeah. So, Ansley, did you want to take that? Okay. So I, I feel like, ooh, our culture, you know, we'll hear it for the culture. And one thing that I did want to forget to mention, which will allow me to answer this question is, I used to chair the Central Georgia Empowerment Fund. And that is okay. a organization that um, give grants to Black-led and black benefiting nonprofits. Okay, right here in central Georgia. And right. a part of the existence, and we talk about generational wealth, is that we become members and we put money in that is able to build longevity and um, uh, an endowment to where we can give out funds to those who are trying to help our culture. Okay. okay. And right. Ansley is the chair of membership for that organization now. And okay. one of the things that they talk about is Charitable giving is this is Black Philanthropy Month, by the way. This is the next to the last day. Okay, okay. so this is a yeah. Are we right on board now? Exactly. Yes. I don't even yes. been talking for an hour already. We got like ten more minutes, but there's so much that okay. we can touch. So, but yeah, yes. go ahead though. So yeah, this is Black Philanthropy Month, and in that they always talk about in order to have generational wealth, a part of that needs to be through charitable giving. And if you think about ways that we can give and move a family forward, it is through charitable giving. And a lot of ways that our culture see that, we might not think that we're philanthropists and that we've been doing a lot for years, but we've been adopting kids unofficially for years. We've been taking <laughs> okay. families in. We've been helping the neighbor. We've been taking people to get commodities and things like that. And I think that we are, what we're doing in other organizations like Real Impact, like um, educational services that Anthony Booker have is just kind of changing that mindset for our culture to see how we give, how we support, and how our culture doesn't have to be limited on things that we think is supposed to happen, but rather how we can kind of help our trajectory in the future. We can kind of cultivate that. 
Understood. Now I'm gonna th- I'm gonna you Dr. Butter about the Dr. Mm-hmm. Butter. Same thing. Um, general uh, culture and relationship to STEM and relationship to generational wealth. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? Um, I just think going back to your example, some things are culturally or cultural norms. Um, I think sometimes different identity groups have different um, cultural norms and habits um, that we often don't see in every culture, right? Um, and so I think in my particular, um, in Black culture, in my particular family, for example, we believe in keeping elders because they hold hold wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we believe, we don't believe in, you know, displacing them once they, you know, they're no longer at the capacity to take care of themselves, right? But, and with that being said, I also think with my particular organization and working with Real Impact, we're always talking about lifting as you climb, right? So it costs me nothing to engage with Geneva and Real Impact. I volunteer my time to do that, right? That's not a paid role, not a paid service. So sometimes sharing your talents and your gifts is just as valuable as actually writing writing a monetary check, right? right? Because the wisdom that I gained through ex- my own personal experience, through education, I can now share with those those 4,500 girls that she's talking about. Of course, I have not touched, touched them all in that capacity, but through the fundraisers, through the opportunities, through writing curriculum, through serving as a volunteer um, in many aspects, I think that speaks to our ability to have that circle and continue that continue that wealth and continue that going for our students, right? So I think we just got to be more intentional about how we spend our time and our energy, but also our money. Because even with the Black giving circle, people think, oh, I don't have a a lot of extreme lot of money, but you literally can give $30 a month, right? Or one-time gift for $325. Mm -hmm. And then like the other day at our event, we were able to give out $23,000 to Mm -hmm. help Black-led and Black-serving nonprofits. Now, is that going to carry them throughout the entire year? No, but it's an opportunity to get them started. Right. Okay. okay and I want to move that into like, um, we can, I want to talk mindset before we get a chance. We run out of time because I'm a firm believer that mindset really is everything. What is your mindset? Where's your mind? What's going on? When y'all mentor your mentees, what are some mindset traits that fall in line with people that may be self-sabotaging themselves getting to the next level? What's one of the what's one of the mindset traits that you see that are, that is very important that you shift or want to shift that in your mentees when you're mentoring a young lady to move herself to the next level? And I, I leave it to whoever wants to start. Mindset trait that you see every time that you try to try to change that up so they can think differently. Um, for me, it's probably going to be the the trending of social media mm-hmm. and that material thing. You know, like that instant gratification, if you will, that they think everything is where they can just get it immediately. And so that right. definitely make one act upon the, the violence, right, to, in order to get things quickly. And we can combat that through real impact. That definitely have them um, debating another girl, another female because of their shoes, or because of their hair and things of that nature. Or you're trying to put your family in a financial bind because you want to have those finer things and those things that look good to you via social media because that is what's trending now. But we try to let the girls know that they can set their own trends, okay? okay. And yes, we want to not only get them in a career that they can have a six-figure, but through financial literacy and our partnership with Truist, allow them to teach them how to save and to spend and invest that money as well. So that's one of the things that I hear about as far as mindset how they just want instant gratification. But mm-hmm. one of the ways that we combat that is through our financial literacy and further exposure in how to save and invest their, their money. Okay, great. So Dr. Booker, I know you got something on that mindset <laughs> that you as you meant, as you have, have mentee. Honestly, though, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny about that. You have yeah. a, you know, so what, yeah. what, what's, what's your opinion on that? I always got a lot on my mind. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think for me, and I and I'll and I'll share with this because I just had a recent um, lunch with one of my mentors, not mentors, mentees, and she um, is has gone through graduate school and now she's working at CDC, right? So I met right. this young lady probably about six to six to eight years ago when she was an undergrad, right? And we are in different 
sororal organizations, different different um, STEM backgrounds, but she graduated, gravitated towards me and I gravitated towards her. And one of the things I will say that I've been working with all of my mentees now, especially at the adult level, is that stubbornness and the willing the willingness not to change or to explore new ideas, right? Okay. Because <laughs> like, to, to, unlearn. to yes. unlearn. Unlearn it. Unlearn what yes. you think is right. It ain't working for you. Yes. You know, my mom it ain't working for you. No. She like, I like, mom, I did this shit. I make a decision. She like, is that working for you? Nine out of ten, if you're honest with yourself, it's not. Right? Yeah. But I, I feel you on that. Yes, yeah. 100%. And that's the definition of insanity, to repeat the same thing, expecting a different result. Right? Oh, and so I, I, I talk through them again, vulnerability and courageous conversations. I've experienced this. You don't have to go down this road if I've already gone down it and I can tell you a different path or show you a different path. And so as I minister to them, I'm also ministering to myself, right? And just trying to encourage that change, right? And encourage that opportunity to explore new ideas. And just because there's a no, there could be a yes on the other side. Mm -hmm. So you got to work through your own stubbornness, your own doubt, your own imposter syndrome, your own stereotype threat and work your way. And you have to be persistent because like you said, nothing's going to be given to you in this life. You have to really have that grit, that tenacity, that that self-worth, that that endurance to get to the next level. And it's okay if you stumble, just get back up. Right. 100%. Mm -hmm. So I want to, it's two last questions. I only got a few minutes I'm going to get to. And I want to talk about number one, self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not just a, a black and brown girl thing. It's a black and brown man thing as well. When you're dealing with someone and you know that they're going through a self-worth issue, how do you work through it with that person? Because being a mentor, obviously you want them to know their self-worth before yeah, they go their separate ways or step out there because that's what they come to you for. So how do you deal, that, deal with that? And I'll start with Geneva dealing because you deal with women at a younger age. Self-worth, what's the mm -hmm. process that you believe to go through that? How can people start there? Some people right now that might see this tomorrow on Spotify, things like that, and they don't feel like they're worth anything. It took a long time for me to ask for the right salary. I'm going to give an example. And they say, well, what is your expected, what's your expected desire salary when you go for a job? And I always lowballed it. But I learned when I started working for a law firm, no, you highball and let them meet you in the middle. You're going to get the more money than you would ask for if you highball it because it shows your self-worth, but you don't even want to tell them what kind of salary you really need. So, Geneva, what you got? Yeah, so a lot of times when uh, girls are not clapping for each other or there is a problem that we may face, with their self-worth, we only uncover that by sitting there and talking to the girl. And the one thing I love about Real Impact is that we're not in a classroom setting where we can't stop and have an informal session if that's not related to STEM. So now the classroom is talking about self-worth today and we get to have that thorough conversation. But I think that having resources available to them, like Pay Center for Girls or Mental Health Matters here at Making Bib, allow mm -hmm. us to transition those girls right into a space yes. that can assist them. So that's important for us to be able to do. And a lot of times if a girl doesn't want to share or she doesn't want to learn or doesn't want to engage and she just feel like her parent dropped her off, we try to figure out what is it that we can do to help expose them to something different in a different manner. Sometimes they just need to come to the front of the class and be the leader with us. Sometimes they need okay. to be paired individually. You know, it's different right. things that we need to channel and we're able to do that. Even with girls who have... Uh, disabilities we still welcome mm -hmm. them because there's there's a place in the room for you as well so that self-worth is important and make sure that they feel like just a normal person like anyone else and we have girls with different disabilities that come and participate in the program and they are stern and they're on it and they're serious about their job and so that helps build their self-esteem and their confidence and have them feel like hey my self-worth is a little bit different than what i walked in here with Okay, that's hundred percent. Now, Dr. Booker, you deal with more of an adult level. Mm -hmm. By that time, it's some trauma. There's a lot of things that may be yeah. going on when they come in that level that they don't even know. Because when I first did my life work and I did the root work, they call it root work. Yeah. I went back and I was like six or seven years old when I started believing mm -hmm. something that was not mm -hmm. the truth. But it carried me through my adult years. So how yeah. how do you come back that and how do you deal with, with, with people that have come for you with that? Yeah. And again, a lot of times our students grow up and are um, grow up with adverse childhood events. 
other experiences like you're talking about. When you do that root work and you get down to the core of why I'm suffering from imposter syndrome, someone may have told you in second, third grade, oh, a black girl can't be an engineer, a black girl can't be a pilot, you know, or a black right. man can't be, a, can't be an architect, right? But I always yeah, yeah, tell yeah. my students, especially doing diversity and inclusion work, the best thing to combat that is self-talk. Um, also, the other thing, the best thing to come combat that what I use as a mentor is I pour into my students, right? I tell my students all the time, stop playing small because people that have half your intelligence, half your ability, they play big all the time and yep. you will knock yourself out the game because you're playing small. So be humble. Yes. But again, yeah, okay. don't. Don't don't you discount yourself and don't you knock yourself out because mm -hmm. what you're doing up here. Right. Because what somebody exactly. did to you at second, third, fourth, fifth grade, maybe even yesterday. Guess what? That has nothing to do with your identity. That has nothing to do with your self-worth. And that has nothing to do with your ability to keep moving and going forward and progressing. Right. So play We went over. I always I've been going over the last couple of weeks because I had great conversations. Last question. Yeah. If you had to tell somebody that sees this on wherever they see it at, they may not have been tuning tonight, one thing that you want to get across is your message and then also tell people how to contact you at the same time. So I'll start with Geneva. What's the one thing that puts a young girl watching right now and she sees this video in the future that you want her to know and then also how they can contact you? Yeah, so if, if, if there's a young lady out here right now that's watching this uh, video, whether you're in the third through eighth grade or whether you're ninth through 12, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what you look like. There is someone that is willing and able to assist you to help move you forward in life. And I think that you need to uh, pitch, put your big girl pants on and and tackle <laughs> life the best way that you can. I'm serious because don't let just, life teach you. Life life is a B. That's a hard. That's a real true statement. Let life absolutely. teach you. Life will put you on your feet, on your knees, trying to pray about that thing. I get it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but find you a mentor that is very important find you someone that can direct you and be resources a lot of times that we stay in poverty is because we don't have access to resources or we have access to them but we don't take advantage of them because we feel less than you the smartest thing you can do is take advantage of resources how you can get in contact with us is that realimpactcenter.org and you can also follow us at real impact inc on all the social media platforms. We would love to have your girls. We would love to have you come volunteer and support us. We are a decade of making a real impact in STEM right here in middle Georgia. We'll celebrate on September the 23rd and ask you to join us. Thank you. hundred percent. Now, Dr. Book, before you run for president, I'm surprised okay. you're not on a Democratic ticket. Uh, what's one thing you want somebody that, that sees this or watch this in the future? What's one thing that you want them to know, how you would close it out and how they can contact you? Um, you can be a girl in STEM and stream, um, and you're going to be successful. It's like start having positive affirmations right now. You're going to be mm -hmm. successful. Um, for adults, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, it's Dr. Ansley Booker on LinkedIn. Also, for my young adults, they can reach me on Instagram and Facebook um, at Dr. Ansley Alicia, as well as on my website, DrAnsleyAlicia.com. 100%. A person that I met that actually had a name as a website, I, that's the first thing I tell my clients is buy your name. <laughs> buy your name. Smart. So look, Smart. my last thought on this, I want to say, even for the young men as well as the young women out there, I, we did this show tonight because I wanted to talk about options. I learned very early in life that being uneducated, not learning lessons, not moving forward, not learning from what you've been through, it reduces your options. Once it reduces your options, you feel trapped. Once you feel mm -hmm. trapped, is it a behavior that is self-destructive? You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to feel like that. And yes, a lot of people do. But if we can catch them while they're young and let them know that, no, you can do this. You can be this. And this can happen, which both of you are doing. So I'm grateful for what you're doing. But I tell people all the time, when you get to that point and you understand that you feel trapped, really, a lot of times when I felt trapped, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I just didn't do the work to get out of it. And then when I decided mm -hmm. to do the work, then life moved forward. Life does not happen without the work. Right. I have no shortcut for it. You can look at all the Get Rich, Christine. You can study the secret. Yeah. The secret is just the word. You can study the law of attraction, anything you want to do. Even with the motivational speakers, the motivational speakers that I um, lean more towards are people that give the 100% facts that look. It may not be as bad as you think it is. You made a mistake. You recover from that. But you're going to have to do the work. And when you decide to do the work, you join programs like Real Impact. You get Dr. Booker to be your mentor because you're like, okay, look. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of running to this wall 
every other six months. So I want to have this show to stop the cycle that, number one, you know, they make it the mental health thing a little sexy, but on top of that, your career mentorship and people right. that have been there before to guide you. Because like I said, imposter syndrome, every, every boardroom that I go into now, you know, I'm the only black guy in the organization or yeah. there's one more maybe. Like right. one more, you be like, hey, what's up, bro? Or, hey, what's up, yeah. sis? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. You gotta, like, so the At least like, you're speaking. That's good. Yeah. You're like, oh, whatever. Right. But, we, you know, at, at the level where I work, when you start working at executive level, the room changes immediately. Right. And one of the things that I learned, like you said, the imposter syndrome is how to carry myself in a, in a way where, you know, because I'll be honest with you, when you speak up, you're the angry black person, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. you go through those kind of things and they're like, oh, you you know, and they don't understand it. So I really thank you both for your time tonight. I thank you for everything that we talked about. Y'all stay and keep it locked right here. Don't hang up just yet because I want to talk to y'all some more when we get off the line. But y'all, that's been a show tonight. We over seven minutes and we didn't even do no entertainment news or nothing like that. It wasn't important. So Dr. Booker, Geneva West, Real Impact, and of course, Educational Resources LLC. And you can join them both there on LinkedIn. You can search them on Facebook. Definitely right. just put their name in there. You see it here because you can follow them. You can see them and make it happen. So I appreciate y'all time. It's the Dirk Dog Show. Let's do it, man. Yeah.